0: the 16th and final parak of Hilchastein Vinitin, the laws of a plaintiff and defendant regarding financial disputes. Today's parak contains 10 halakhas and will once again discuss financial disputes which arise over an uh, argument over a parcel of land. Perech Shisha also the 16th chapter, Halacha Aleph. In previous parakim, the Rambam has discussed various cases in which two parties both claim to be owners of a field. And the Rambam describes various considerations which could be considered proofs for either one of the two parties and how to weigh them out in terms of coming to a legal judgment. So too, in this case, we will look for external factors aside from what they are actually claiming in order to determine here who is telling the truth. Ruben Shemachar and Sadeh Ruben sold a field to Shimon. And Levy, a third party, was one of the witnesses of a document. A document must have two witnesses, and Levy was one of the witnesses that Reuben sold the field to Shimon. upo La and later on, Levi comes to challenge Reuben's right to sell this field, claiming that the field belonged to him and Reuben stole it from him. Levi, who signed on this document that Reuben sold to Shimin, says that originally Levi himself he claims he owned the field and Reuben sold it, stole it from him, and then sold it to Shimon. Such a claim ain't law. We do not listen to Levi's claim. in our and we do not care about any proofs he can bring regarding this field. Because he has lost any right to this field, he's lost any claim. Because we say to him, the judges say, as the Ksav Tayman says, in plural, the judges say to him, How can you first give testimony as to the sale and later on come and challenge its validity. Since you are yourself being a witness, you are justifying and testifying that Reuben sold the field to Shimon. How could you do that if you claim it's your field that it was stolen from you? In the Gemara and Ksubez, this is a disagreement between Admain and the Chachamim. Admain claims that he is allowed to make such a, such a claim. Why? Because Glebi could always say that it's easier for me to take the field away from Shimon than Reuven. Reuven is very, very strong. He won't listen to me anyway, and he wouldn't listen to the judgment issued against him, and therefore I wait to, for him to sell it to Shimon, and then I'll bring, it, I'll bring the case to judgment and take it away from Shimon rather than Reuven. However, the Chachamim do not accept this Reasoning and saying that in any case, even should he make such a claim, we do not listen to Levi whatsoever. And so too, if Levi testified on another document which mentions that the field belongs to Ruvain, such as a document describing the parameters of a certain field, and in the document it's written that Sade Pliny, this certain field of Ruvain's, is on the east side or the west side. It's describing it as one of the boundaries of the parcel being discussed in that document. So Since Levi made this field, or at least testified, that this field is a sign of the boundaries of this other field. And he gave such testimony in the document he again loses his right to the field and he can no longer erase a challenge because the judges say the same thing to him how could you testify about a document that's written that this field discussed in the document is on the side of Plainy's field of Ruben's field and now you're going to come and make a challenge to it you yourself say in the document, you signed. a document that says the field belongs to Reuven. How can you later on raise a claim and say it's yours? Halakha base. However, Levi can make a counterclaim in which afterwards he can still salvage his claim. To'an for omar tell him echad see for lay call Levi claims that I only took one strip of land and that was the sign for the boundary of the field. And not the entire field. The entire field belongs to me. And only this one little strip of land close to the boundary of the field being described in this document, that's what belongs to Reuben. But the rest of the field belongs to me. HaRezu this is a claim which is reasonable. Therefore, Therefore, a lady can raise a claim, a challenge, against the entire field except for that one thin strip. However, All of these things that... We take the signature as evidence against him only applies to a witness of the document who comes later on to challenge. However, there is someone else who could be involved in in justifying this document. You could have a judge. That we have learned previously the idea of kiyum Hashtar, that one validates a document in court by investigating the signatures and proving that they are authentic and not forged. And the judge has to do this. If a judge himself claims right to this field, but he himself validated a document which says that the field belongs to someone else, he does have that right to do so. If a witness signed on it, he would not have the right to, to raise a challenge to the field. But a judge who himself has validated the document will have the right to raise a challenge to the field. What's the difference between a judge who validates the signatures and a witness who signs who himself has signed? the judge can claim that I don't even know what was written in the document because it's permissible for a judge to validate a document even though he has not read the document the validation of a document is not for its content it's only for the signatures all the judge must do is look at the signatures and therefore he can claim he didn't even read what was inside Witnesses, however, do not sign a document unless they have read the entire document and have carefully examined everything in it. A witness is not allowed to sign unless he has done this. Therefore, the witness could not make the claim that the judge does to say that he didn't read it and didn't see what's inside because we don't believe such a thing. Certainly the witness has to read it first. In in discussing Allah Aleph, we mentioned the disagreement between Admin and the Chachamim in the Gemara That The Admin said that a person would sign a document in order that he he should train, even though he himself thinks that the field is his, since he will have uh, an easier chance taking it away from the buyer than he would from the seller. The Chachamim, however, do not agree with his reasoning. And they say that a person would not actually do an action in order to ease his later collection through the court. And we'll see in Allah Gimel that when it comes to a case where the witness did not do an action, and he's not a witness here, he did not testify and actually sign a document, he merely made a verbal statement. In this case, the Chachamim agree with Adman In order to have an easier time to claim this this field, a person would say something. To do an action he wouldn't, but to make a statement he would. Halacha Gimel. Bo Shimon, who is planning on buying a field, and he asks Levi's opinion. He tells Levi, I am going to buy, I'm buying this field from Reuven, and I want your advice, based on your advice, I'm going to buy it. And Levi says, go and buy it, it's a very good field. In this case, later on, Levy's going to claim that it's his field and Reuben stole it from him. However, Shimon's going to say, and the judges are going to say, how, Levy, could you have given him advice to tell him to buy the field if you held it was, wasn't Reuben's field in the beginning to sell in this case, however, Levi is allowed to challenge Reuben's right to the seller's field, and he has not lost his rights to the field. Because Levi has not done an action, he can say that my desire. My intention was that this field should go away from Reuven's possession, since he is very strong, he is powerful, and I would be unable to recover the field from him. In order that I should claim this field back in judgment from Shimon, and I will be able to take the field back. In Allah Aleph we said that when it comes to doing an action of actually signing the document, the Hamim do not agree with Atman, and say that a person would not go to such an extent of... Signing a document or doing an action, he does not believe that that is true. But merely to make a verbal statement, a person would do such a thing. Therefore, he is, he is believed in this case to say that he did it in order to ease the, his later recollection. Halacha Dalit. In this halacha, Shimon has bought a field. And here the dispute is whether Shimon has bought a field from Levi. And the dispute is between Reuben and Levi. The Reuben. Although Reuben is claiming Shimon, since Shimon now has the field. Reuben claims that he is the owner of the field, the original owner, and, and Levi obviously claimed that he was the original owner of the field. Shimon bought it from Levi, and now Reuben is complaining that he, that he didn't give him the money. Halakha <laughs> Reuben she'ir al-Shimon. The Ruben who comes with a challenge to Shimon that what is he doing with this field? Shimon answers him, I don't know what you're talking about. I bought this field from Levi. And in addition, I have witnesses that I have used the profits of this field and have consumed the produce for the necessary number of years to have a chazaka for three continuous years. As we mentioned, in the previous parakim, that if someone has been in possession of the field and harvesting it and getting benefit from it for three years, should there be no other proof as to ownership, this would be considered sufficient ownership. So Shimon tells Reuven, I don't know how you come in over here. I bought it from Levi. Omelay um, Reuven, but Reuven says, I have witnesses, that you came to me in the evening and you told me, tell me this field. So therefore, Reuben says, "How can you Shimon say that you own, you believe the field was only Levies? You came to me, and I have witnesses to prove it. You came to me to buy the field from me. So how can you claim it was Levies? You are it's, you are self admitted by coming to me to ask me to buy it that the field belongs to me." Ein Zuraya, the Rambam says this is no proof. Why? The la Shimon Leimar Shimon can say Ratzisi Liktnei mimcha Kadesh din. The only reason I wanted to buy it from you is not that I believed that you are the owner of the field. I only did it so you wouldn't come and bother me later to challenge me, and you shouldn't bother to drag me to court. Even though that I really didn't know whether it's yours or not. So I figured if I, if you'd only ask for a little money, it's worth it to me to give you a little money so you shouldn't bother me later on. He asked for a lot of money, so I decided not to give it, you, to, give it to you because I believe the lady owns the field. So therefore, since he can make such a claim, he's going to Reuven to ask him to sell him the field was not a contradiction to his belief that the field belonged to Levy, since he only asked Reuven to sell it for him to avoid later trouble. The king called was that so to any similar cases. However, over here, this claim of Shimon is something he must actually verbalize. The court doesn't say that Shimon would have the ability to say this, and therefore, he has no obligation to Ruve. If Shimon does not explicitly state this claim, we, the judges, do not claim it for him. In other words, if Shimon comes along and says, the reason I asked you, Reuven, to sell me the field was in order to avoid later trouble, we will believe him. But if he doesn't say that, then we assume that he went there because he, ass- he thought that Reuven did own the field. And therefore, we will reject Shimon's claim that Levi is the exclusive owner, and we will assume that he is going to Reuven is an admission that Reuven is also owner, or at least partial owner of the field. In the next few halachas, that Amman will discuss what happens, not to the land, but what happens to the paydays, the produce of the land in the event of such a dispute? In Perek Aleph, when we began our discussion of chazaka in land for three years, the gave the general principles that if the original owner of the land brings witnesses that the land belonged to him, and the one presently on the land brings witnesses that he has been there for three years, then he gets to keep the field since he has witnesses uh, that he has shnei chazaka. In this Halacha, the Rambam will deal with a case where he is unable to provide witnesses that he ate the fruit for three years. He has no witnesses, or there is one witness. And the question will now be that although clearly, since he has no witnesses, he will have to return the land to the original owner, will he also have to pay for the produce he consumed by his own admission? Halacha, hey. Reuben Ruvain she'irer, ve hevi'eidim shasod azu shalei. Reuben made a challenge to a field and brought witnesses that the field originally belonged to him. Shimon, who is presently occupying the field, claims in, in defense that you sold, Reuben, you sold me this field, and I have already consumed the produce for the years sufficient for a chazaka, for three years. Now Shimon has no witnesses to back up his claim. However, by his own admission, he ate the produce. So he's going to have to give the field back to Ruben. And Reuben knows this. And now Reuben has another claim against him for the produce. But everything you ate from the field, you ate as theft. All of that belongs to me, and you must pay it back. The law, however, is regardless of whether there were no witnesses whatsoever, or even if there was one witness, that he consumed the produce for three years, he does not have to return any of the fruit, the produce that he consumed. The commentaries discuss over here that the big problem is the one case where there is one witness. As the Ramon gave the principle at the beginning of Hilchastain Tayin Vinitin, that any time that, that two witnesses would make someone pay, then one witness would make him t- take an oath. So over here there is one witness that he consumed that he consumed the fruit. So we would think he would have to swear that he did not consume the fruit in order to counteract this the witness. Should he not be able to do so, as it is over here, because he himself claims that he ate the fruit, how could he claim that he did not eat it? We would go to our principle of and shuv eniacholishav of mashali, that a person is required to take an oath. If for whatever reason he cannot take it, he is required to pay. So the question here is, why does he not have to pay? i This Shimon can say, the that I ate belongs to me. There are no witnesses that are caught that are making him responsible to pay back for the fruit or for the produce. He himself admits that he paid back the fruit, that he ate the fruit. In other words, like this, the Torah explains in his commentary Mishpat that over here, what do you want from this one witness? If you accept the testimony of this one witness, Reuben wants to use this one witness to make Shimon take an oath that he didn't eat the fruit. So therefore he wants to accept the testimony of this one, one witness that he consumed fruit for three years in a row. Abed Abba says to tour. if you accept the testimony of this witness that he consumed the fruit for three years, you're accepting he was there? So you're accepting this witness. You're accepting this witness. That means the Shimon owns the field. You don't own the field. This witness is not going to make him pay. Abed accept this witness. You're going to prove that the field really does belong to Shimon because he has been there for three years. Therefore, the only power you have to make him pay is his own admission, not the testimony of this witness. And since all you have is his own admission, you cannot make him pay with that because he has a megoy. You can say, if you think I'm lying, I could have said a better lie. I could have said that I didn't eat any fruit whatsoever. The Raman explains that this one witness that testifies that he came to, that he ate the produce for three years comes to improve the power, the strength of the claim of this Shimon who was eating the fruit. Should there have been a second witness, this witness together with him would have caused the field to go over into the hands of Shimon. the, the Rambam learns that he comes in order to bring a merit to Shimon, in order to testify for him. You cannot use the testimony of this witness against Shimon if the main purpose of the testimony would be to help him. Reuben, the original owner, takes a rabbinic oath that he did not sell the field to Shimon. And the field will go back to him. And on the other hand, the Yishvah Shimon has his And Shimon, takes a rabbinic oath that he does not owe anything for the fruit that he ate. And then he will be free from payment. Let's say, however, there were two witnesses. There are two witnesses that Shimon consumed the fruit of the field, but they testified that he consumed it for less than three years. In this case, Shimon is going to have to return not only the field, but all the fruit, the produce he consumed. Furthermore, even if there's only one witness, he still will have to return the, the fruit based on his testimony. In Hay, this one witness was testifying that he was there for three years. Therefore, he is testifying in Shimon's behalf and cannot be used against Shimon. But even if there's one witness, that he consumed less than Shnei Chazaka, then this one witness is going to make him responsible to take an oath. In you know, we said that the one witness will not make him take an oath, because if you believe this witness, it will be for the benefit of Shimon. But over here, this one witness would only be saying that Shimon ate less than for three years. Therefore, the witness is going to do nothing but make Shimon pay for the fruit. So what's going to be? Shimon is going to have to take an oath, to counteract and deny the testimony of this witness and over here he cannot take such an oath because what does the one witness say that he ate the fruit for two years what does Shimon himself say that he ate the fruit for three years so how can he swear against this witness to swear that he ate the fruit for three years is, is not denying his claim that he would ate the fruit for two years he is agreeing to him but just adding on something else in such a case he's unable to take an oath he is not contradicting this witness. He's agreeing with the witness that he ate for two years. But he's claiming he ate for even more. Allah Aimir hate. He's saying that you telling the truth. I did eat for two years. But I'm saying that what I ate for two years belonged to me. So it turns out he must take a shvua. According to the law, he must take an oath. He is unable to take such an oath because he is not denying the claim of the witness. The witness doesn't say who the who the fruit belonged to. He is just saying that he that he ate the fruit. He cannot deny that because he himself agrees with it. Since he's any he's going to have to pay. Therefore, he must pay Ruben the entire value of the fruit he consumed. Halachasayin, kol machui of lachser is any case that we described above, where someone is required to return the the fruit, the produce of what he used, and it's. Worthwhile to add, over here. you mentioned in previous pro that the word "pater," so the, literally it means fruit. It means any profit which comes from the land. In the case of a house, for example, the fruit would be the fee one gets from renting it out. So anyone that is, so therefore, these laws would apply not only to fruit, but if, some, if the dispute was over, possession of a the house. then what would be under discussion here would be the rental fees for the house so anyone that is required to return the paydays the fruit or the profit from this land in lay hoya you're doing if it was not known exactly how much was, was taken by the person who has been occupying this land bain bazdani khayl and the court is unable to estimate their value what is an example of something the court is able to estimate the value for example the going price for renting houses or something similar, rental fees. It's not a case like that where the Besnan would be able to estimate how much is owed. you paid a seal shame doing. It was, for example, fruit of a tree or fruit of a field, which has not known its price. So, since Reuben over here does not have a definite claim that he is owed such and such an amount of money, the only amount Shimon has to pay is this, that he agrees that he ate whatever Shimon says that was the value that he ate this is how much he will have to pay and Shimon does not have to take an oath that this is all he ate and no more because we do not have an oath on a tiny Shema and over here Reuben's Tain is a tiny Shema it is an uncertain claim because he doesn't know exactly how much is owed therefore Shimon need not swear and he pays back only that which he admits that he ate However, Reuben can be umachrimim amasha Shalim. He can make the statement of excommunication, as the Rabbim has explained many times. That one of the enactments of the ga'anim was that in a case where there is no shvua, the party can make a general statement, not to any particular person, but a general statement of chedim against someone that that is violating. The the just resolution of the case. Therefore, he is on anyone that eats more fruit or consumes more of the profits and is not paying for for the extra amount. And this obviously is referring to Shimon in this case, but he does not mention him by name, only mentioning that if he really consumes more, that he will be put in chedim. An informal sort of chedim as a result of this declaration. And now an interesting law relating to landlord-tenant law anyone that must return the land, which he is presently in possession of, and what will happen is that he also will have to return the paydays, the fruit which he consumed as well. Let's say it is a house which is being rented. If he rented it out to others, when he was in possession of it, and the, those tenants are still in existence, they're still living, then who has to pay? Let's say Reuben was the original owner. Shimon was there illegally and, and took possession of it, and Shimon rented it out to a bunch of tenants. So now, Shimon owes money because he took all of this rental illegally, and all of these rental fees should really go to Reuben. Now, who collects it? Does Reuben have to collect it from Shimon, or can he collect it from the tenants? The law is made seen that Reuben can collect directly from the tenants a second set of rent for as long as they were living there. And they are required to give it to Reuben. They are not going to end up having to pay rent twice. And then they will go and claim from Shimon their money back because he rented them a place which doesn't belong to him. However, the fact that Shimon took money from these tenants illegally should not harm Reuben. Reuben has the right to collect money from the people that are living in his house. I, Shimon fooled them and Shimon swindled them and took money from them. That's not Reuben's responsibility. That's between Shimon and the tenants over there. So the tenants are in effect going to have to pay twice the full amount of rent. One amount of rent, because it really wasn't rent. It was money which was swindled out of them by Shimon. And then they're going to have to pay a second time to Ruvain for the real rent, because he really owns the land. And then they will go back and try to get their money back from Shimon. In the last two halachas of the Perek, the Rambam gives some general laws relating to honesty. From these laws of Tain Vinitin. Halacha to understand this halacha properly we must review some basic principles from the very first parakel of Tatayim that if somebody has a key for he completely denies the claim against him then he takes a shavuot's hat as an oath by rabbinic decree should he be a maid to the mixtas he partially agrees to the claim he must take he must pay the amount he admits and he must take a biblical oath for the amount that he is denying Another concept we had earlier was the concept of Gilgul Shvua. There are certain claims that a person would not have to take an oath to deny. However, once they are already taking an oath for some other claim, then there's Gilgul Shvua. We roll on top of him. We put on top of him all other matters that there might be dispute about, even though by themselves they might be not be worthy of an oath. But once there is already an oath taking place, these are all put together and included in one large oath. Now Halakha test. Also, la adam sheker or akve. It is prohibited for a person to make a false claim in order to tilt judgment or in order to withhold judgment. How is this? Let's say one person has a debt of a hundred next by another person. Now, Reuben is Nesha in Shimon a mana that Shimon owns Reuben a mana. So, what's he going to do? R- Ruvain knows that Shimon owes him a money. He owes him a hundred. And in addition, Ruvain knows that there are other claims he has against Shimon, and he's not able to get Shimon to, to, to answer them, and he cannot even make Shimon swear about them. So he wants to get Shimon to take Ashvua. When Shimon takes our Shavua, I no, then he will put on top of him through Gilgul shvua all of these other things. So Reuven comes up with the following etzer. nena <speaking in Hebrew> He is not allowed to claim 200 in order that Shimon should admit that he owes 100, then he will have to take a Shavua. Because Shimon really does owe 100. When Reuben comes and claims 200, Shimon's going to tell the truth and say he owes 100. What's going to be? He's going to be a made to be mixed, because Reuben claims 200, Shimon says 100, so he's going to have to pay the 100, and he's going to have to take an oath to deny he owes any more. So that's going to be a true oath. But now Reuben gained, because he now can add on all of the claims he has against Shimon. To that one out. This is prohibited. And so too, conversely, when Shimon is confronted with that situation, he might be tempted to lie as well. Because what, what is Shimon supposed to do? Shimon knows that he borrowed 100. And here comes Reuven, who, who was saying that he owes 200. And Shimon doesn't want to have to take a biblical oath. It's a very serious thing to hold a, t- a Torah scroll and take an oath and so on. So he figures it will be okay for haka. He's lying and claiming 200. I'll also lie and say nothing. I'm not going to try to get out of the money. I'll pay him 100 privately, not in front of the court. But in order to get out of this oath, let me tell a lie, I'll say that I don't owe anything, and later on I'll just pay him the hundred. So that album says one is not allowed to do so. If we have the same case, that one person is owed a hundred and he claims two hundred, uh, the person who is being accused here of owing the money should, is not allowed to say to himself, let me deny everything in court, and then I'll privately between me and him admit that I owed a hundred and give him, in order that I shouldn't have to take an note. This is also prohibited. He must tell the truth that he owes only a hundred, even if this means he will have to take a shvua uh, an oath by biblical law, and included in that oath will be all other sorts of claims which by themselves would not, be, uh, would not bring him to have to take an oath. And now the final halacha of the parak yud. Ho three people who collectively had a debt of a hundred, that somebody owed them. He owes it to all three of them. And this person has denied and says that he does not owe the hundred. So he, since he is a kefir will have to take an oath, a rabbinic oath that he owes nothing, and then he will be exempt of payment. So these three, knowing that he is lying, figure out a piece of advice. They'll do like this. They will. one of them will claim that he owes him a hundred, and two of them will testify that he owes him a hundred, and then since there are two witnesses, this will be sufficient for the court. And after their false testimony, the court will end up doing justice. This is a case of whether the ends justify the means. The means is clearly, clearly false, since the witnesses will be giving false testimony. However, here the end will be just, unlike the end which will occur when... the the three people would tell the truth, that there are no witnesses whatsoever to that transaction. So the Rambam says, We are not allowed to have one of them claim, and two of them testify. So that when as a result of these two witnesses' testimony, they will take the money away from him and then split it up. They are not allowed to do such a thing. On things like this and similar to them, the verse in Shmei's Chaf Gimelad. Apostolic Zion warned us and said, Keep away from a false thing. Not only do not say clear lies, but keep away from anything having to do with falsehood. Even though it will bring to a just end, nevertheless, falsehood on any, any stage of the proceedings is prohibited. With this, we conclude the 16 chapters of the laws of tayin benitn with Hashem's help.